Happy Labor Day here on the BWI Daily Edition. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr. Uh, I got a couple of fun things coming up for you on the show today. Some news to let you know about of what's going on at BWI.Rivals.com. And, of course, some tidbits here on The Daily Show. It is going to be a little bit shorter of a show today because we got so much stuff coming up for you on your Labor Day. First thing that we have coming up is a live show on YouTube. Blue White Illustrated on YouTube we're doing it today at noon, so if you're in between grilling or you're about to fire up the grill, just throw your phone beside your grill, hook up your Bluetooth speaker, you'll be getting uh, the Blue, the Blue White Illustrated staff and my take on Penn State, Wisconsin. We're putting a bow on it, and we're putting it to bed as Penn State moves on to face Ball State this Saturday, but you're going to get our reactions, our analysis, the key matchups, how everything went from their perspective, BWI live. Post-game show was Saturday. We've got another live show coming up today at noon. So make sure you subscribe to our YouTube page because it's the only place that you can get the BWI live. Okay, also today, and this we're going to lead into what we talk about today, is my first edition of the film study for Penn State, Wisconsin. After each game this year, I'm going to break down the game from an X's and O's standpoint, tell you what the key matchups were, tell you what the situations, the problems, the adjustments all of that stuff. I give you a full story of how all of that went down with the film study each week. To get that, you have to be a subscriber, bwi.rivals.com backslash subscribe if you are not a member. But if you are, it'll be up uh, and you can get an insight into what happened in Penn State, Wisconsin. You can fit all of that in in between whether you're skiing with the kids on the lake, maybe you're going fishing for the last time this year, putting an end to summer, however you're doing that, putting your white shorts away for the fall, which I don't, does that, is that a rule anymore? I don't think that's a rule anymore. Anyway, in between your family activities today, we've got plenty of content for you here with BWI.Rivals.com for all your written content and YouTube here with the BWI Daily Edition, wherever you get your podcasts and the live show coming up today at noon. Let's get into a couple of things. That what I want to focus on today are the things that didn't make it into my article, some interesting news and notes, some some things I noticed that, uh, that didn't quite merit being in the X's and O's film study, but are interesting to note going forward. We're going to start with that much talked about running back rotation. Uh, Noah Kane, Kevon Lee were the main ball carriers on the field, and that really was that was it that was it so we talked about a, a running back by committee and that was certainly true but this was Noah Kane's job there was no doubt about it that when there were important plays to be made Noah Kane was on the field and he was the one making them and there's a clear pecking order and there has been for camp but we were really wondering who was going to be that third running back and it turns out that third running back is nobody Devin Ford was the guy who got on the field. He got exactly one carry. Now, part of that, and and this is really how it even breaks down. If you look at Noah Kane got eight attempts and Kevon Lee got three. So Devin Ford getting one is not necessarily some large slight to his, his workload. Penn State only ran 54 plays in this game. And if you want more on why and how and everything that is, my film study gets into that, especially about how the first half was such a disjointed mess. And in the second half, some of the adjustments they made, they weren't going to be featuring this particular position. So when we look at that, we do know one thing coming out of this game. This is Noah Kane's job. 
especially with the way Kevon Lee played. Now, he broke a bunch of tackles, and he looked like a caged animal trying to run the football. So eventually, once the offensive line is allowed to open up holes against a non-top-five front seven in college football, he's going to make big plays. But as of yesterday, it's clear that there's a top two, and there's a top one. Noah Kane is the guy. Kevon Lee is the second running back. And then at this point, Devin Ford is the third guy who comes in sometimes. But even then, Sean Clifford, with his two whole carries, was ahead of Devin Ford in that account because I Holmes did not see the field offensively, and John Lovett didn't make the trip. And that's going to be interesting to see how that room plays out because that has been one of the biggest questions of can you keep all of those guys engaged, can you use all of their talents, or is somebody going to feel left out and in the air of the transfer portal that. Uh, so that's an interesting thing to note, but again, we cover a lot of the reasons of why that happened in my article, The Film Study of Penn State versus Wisconsin. Another thing that we didn't get to there, but I wanted to point out and I think was, uh, you know, a part of the game was the fact that the tight ends and how they were used and how effective they were was really a mixed bag. Uh, one of the things we've talked about is how does Penn State make up for the fact that maybe they're not very deep at receiver, and they use the tight ends in a way that I was really hoping they would. They put players all over the field. Both Brenton Strange and Theo Johnson had snaps lined up at boundary receiver. They even had some targets there. The problem was uh, there were zero catches from the tight ends. And some of those were some misfires by Sean Clifford. There was one throw in particular to Theo Johnson early in the game that I thought was 50-50 of it was a hard catch that Clifford didn't make easy on Theo Johnson, but the ball went through his hands. Uh, so kind of an unimpressive performance from Penn State's most athletic, most talented tight end room they've had under James Franklin. And one of the more concerning things to me was that Brenton Strange didn't really create a lot of separation. He was not able to give those those open targets the way Jahan Dotson did for Penn State to uh, Sean Clifford over the middle. I was expecting much more of that, of him to be a hard cover over the middle on some crossing routes, on some comeback routes, things like that, to get easy targets for Sean Clifford and give him the ability to move the sticks against pressure. That's what that tight end position flexed into the slot or maybe out wide. I was expecting much more of that, but zero receptions on officially only three targets. But if you consider those free plays where the ball was kind of chucked up to see if you get a pass interference or, or a crazy catch, it was five targets total with no receptions for the Penn State tight end room, which we're not going to push the panic button on that yet, but this was another area where we talked about in the preseason of, yes, it's very talented. Yes, this is a group that can do a lot of things, but will they? And so far, what we saw from them is a lot of what we saw from last year. Athletic guys running around the field, not quite creating separation, not being those difference makers, and we'll have to see against a little bit lower of a level of test against a team that doesn't have the same athletes, especially in the middle of the football field in Ball State. Can those tight ends be effective? Can they make big plays for Sean Clifford and the Nittany Lions? Because the big plays are there. We saw for sure that Parker Washington 
and even Keandre Lambert-Smith and Jahan Dotson, when they are given time to get downfield and the offensive line can block and Sean Clifford can hit them with the football, there are explosive plays to be had from that Penn State receiving core. So Keandre Lambert-Smith making that big step forward might mitigate any slow start to the season for the tight end room, but make no mistake about it. If this team is going to win a lot of football games, all of those guys have to be threats at one time or another. So right now, put a pin in it, but that's another part of this game that I thought was super interesting as far as the way things broke for Penn State. And we talk about this in the article, but just once again, sometimes you've got to trust what you're being told. They have to take everything, I believe, with a healthy grain of salt. But when you're told Jesse Lucada is looking good at defensive end and we didn't get to see a lot of that in camp, boy, did he look good at defensive end. It was a really impressive showing from the linebacker. And and you you see the things that he did well and some of those things that were that were a little bit clouded by the way he was playing at linebacker, where the decision-making to trigger downhill and get to the football – all of that is taken away once you just say, beat the guy in front of you. This is your gap. Beat this guy. When he was able to do that, he was a force along the defensive line. Quick. I was super impressed with the way he used his hands. And he's able to get in the backfield. And Penn State, in general, played on the other side of the line of scrimmage enough that they were able to stop the, the Wisconsin rushing attack consistently to get the ball back to their offense. Especially in the first half to keep that whole game in in range at 0-0 to keep the game tight when they were on the field for almost 15 minutes consecutively. That is the sort of performance, and, and Jesse Lucada playing that outside linebacker role is is a great position for him. I think that versatility is going to give the Penn State defense a lot more options going forward. In this game versus Ball State, how does he perform? Because James Franklin already said he's likely going to see more snaps at linebacker. And this was bound to happen the way that James Franklin talked about everything this year. This is bound to happen anyway. But with, with Ellis Brooks playing such a good game, you thought maybe you could a little more define these roles and have them be more situational. Now you're forced into the situation where you have to play Jesse Lucada at linebacker at least for a half. We'll see how that goes. But as far as his ability to play the edge, in one game... I'm already sold. And that's why I really like that early season Big Ten first week game because we're not watching this team versus Akron. We know exactly what they are now. They were tested at every point in the roster, and we've seen the weaknesses. We've seen the strengths so far. So we know what the floor is in the first week. They got a win. Now where do they go from here. We'll be talking about that and more recap of Penn State Wisconsin coming up today at noon. BWI Live wrapping up and recapping Penn State Wisconsin today. Make sure you subscribe, make sure you follow along and you're there at noon on YouTube to watch the show. For the BWI Daily Edition, I'm your host Thomas Frank Carr. We'll be back again tomorrow. Happy Labor Day! <laughs>